with Will McDuff, uh, Origin is the, the screenplay winner of the first scene screenplay festival. Uh, Will, tell us what Origin is all about. Yeah, um, good. Yeah, don't ask me. I'm I'm just the writer. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um, I guess in many ways it, it's it's about um, a sense of self, a sense of who we are, um, where we may. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of, um, I guess there's a lot of uncertainty in, in, in our culture right now about the, the kind of received wisdom on, 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 on how we as a species have originated. So I, I was always really keen just to explore that a little bit further and, and, and uh, get a sense of, of where that might, might go. Um, so I, I guess there's a sort of, you know, there's a kind of historical evolutionary sort of side of it but um i guess really when you think about where the characters go and the places they end up in it's very much a story about um the kind of i don't know the pain that comes with knowledge i suppose the, the pain of self-knowledge in some ways that's always kind of a, a difficult thing to kind of process a lot of the time um you know you kind of think of those thresholds and turning points in your life and um, you know, they're, they're difficult moments sometimes when we, we realize uh, a lot about ourselves that perhaps we didn't quite understand before. So for me, that was really an important theme to explore. Uh, and um, that's kind of what motivates and drives uh, Yolani uh, on her journey. That's pretty, that's, those are pretty intense themes. Uh, like, how do we as humans, uh, mm-hmm. how did we exist? <laughs> like, if you want to talk about intense themes, that would be the the start. So, but from a plot standpoint, it's sort of a journey of this character, I guess. You you uh, you just you just detailed, I guess, right? Um. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. It's. I guess you know, this whole process of growing. I guess maturing. Uh, you know this idea of reaching some kind of illuminated point of view on where we actually originate from is it's, it's, it's fraught with danger. Uh, You know, everywhere we turn, there is, you know, all sorts of received wisdom in history and culture and uh, science, which, which kind of defines who we are. And, you know, we either, we either accept this, uh, or we don't. And I think when we don't and when we challenge, you know, received wisdom, um, then that that comes with, a, I guess, a kind of um, quest or responsibility to to kind of push those boundaries a little bit further. And what we may find um, sometimes subverts or, or turns everything else upside down. And that's tough stuff. It's sometimes easier not to not to look at the tough stuff, if you know what I mean. It's sure. it's often a lot more easier just to kind of sit back. <laughs> Sometimes you're forced to look at the tough stuff in order to survive or to move on in your life, I guess, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, forced by whom? Forced? No, by I mean what? like events, like some like events that have taken place, like physical or like uh, like events that taken place with your with your loved ones or whatever. Sometimes things are forced. You're forced by your hand to, to confront things. I guess right. Life yeah. takes care of that for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's really true, uh, Matthew. I mean, I, I think if anybody you know was to chart, you know, a timeline on their life to whatever point they're at, and and then just to kind of plot in those kind of critical moments. Um, 
which you know forces you to sometimes really question you know who you are or what it means or why certain events have occurred then yeah i mean that's that's yeah that that's an opportunity and you know sometimes because it's so hard it's an opportunity that we miss or we don't often feel comfortable with and if you are feeling isolated then it's it's hard to do that so um yeah events life events certainly do bring a lot of stuff up yeah and, and so to, to go back to what you were saying before so what is the the origin of human like did so do you like you just said what how did how did we start it's the title of your film i guess right or your script yeah 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 i mean I guess, you know, there's a lot of really interesting research and uh, a lot of interesting um, uh, exponents. Or of... from it, like I, I, you can also argue that there's a spiritual uh, element as well, right? Like even people who believe in the Big Bang Theory still believe in, in intelligent design, I guess, too, right? Um, yeah, well, that's just it. I mean, I think we're, we're, we're entering a, you know, a real kind of boon time in, in terms of, this um uh, you know availability and access to um other kind of points of view on on our own origin i mean i mean science is breaking you know consciousness down uh, you know and 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 wondering uh, you know about its its origin and, and religion somehow seems less um you know connected to you know set and hard and fast biblical events and that the whole kind of um sort of transformational epoch that, that that we seem to be entering is 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 pointing us more and more away from um received texts to to wider deeper spiritual more cosmological kind of ideas of our origin not being on earth our origin being uh you know in the stars uh, you know our kind of dna being made of star material um and i guess when you start to ask those questions then you know you're, you're going to open yourself up to all sorts of uh, all manner of um wild exciting challenging fearful um possibilities um, and that's, you know, I think that's good. I mean, I think that's a good dialogue to get into. Um, does it lead to some, uh, you know, final truth? I don't really know, but I think it leads us to, you know, asking the questions. We questions don't, lead yes. to more questions, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's okay. You know, questions, questions are where it's at. I mean, you know, knowledge and truth and um, having those questions answered is, is less enticing than asking and inquiring. Um, and so origin, you know, it presents an idea uh, or a set of ideas, some possibilities, but it's, it's not really trying to kind of be terribly definitive. It's just saying, hey, I wonder, I wonder where this could go. What, what, what does that mean, uh, you know, if, if we look beyond just all our, you know, our, our history today on Earth? Yeah, and, and, and as humans, we're pretty, like, what do they say, like, we're, in terms of the evolution of, of Earth itself, we're, we're pretty, we're on the last, like, minutes of the, of the day, I guess, right? Like, <laughs> well, you know, that's a good point, Matthew, because um, now, more so than ever before, there just does seem to be a readiness for, you know, a, a you know, a bigger percentage of people to jump on to and consider that there's something 
greater than what we currently know. Um, and, you know, that's a cultural thing. It's, uh, you know, it, it's it's part of the zeitgeist now. You know, people are inquiring. They, they want to know. They want to go beyond what they've been told. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really healthy process. Where it leads, who knows? <laughs> that's well, the I, guess, I, what I guess what I meant, too, is that, is that the, the world's been, the Earth has been around for millions of years, and man has been around for, about 200,000 years. So in the grand scheme of things, we're pretty insignificant of, <laughs> on the planet, people, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? And, and when you kind of, um, when you start to sort of recognize that, you know, relative insignificance, um, somehow, you know, that enables us to feel less, I guess, precious about holding on to what we know um, and, um and, and, and just looking beyond where we are. Yeah, exactly. So tell me, uh, as a, that's so, so, so some pretty deep themes you got on your screenplay. So what is your process as a writer? Like, what do you, do you have a routine? Do you write every day? Like, or yeah. you just write when you're inspired? Like, do you have a certain structure in place? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, you know, I work and I've worked all my life and you know done you know raised a family but you know i i just write every day that's that's the bottom line um you know when my kids were young you know i'd be up early and uh i'd go to work and then i'd grab some time at lunch and then come home and then i'd write when they were in bed and so on and i still do that so yeah i really do try and uh, i write every day you know good bad and different i just get words on the page Every day. So like, so you've been doing this for a long time then, I'm assuming. I've been doing this, yeah. I mean, um, a long time. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm in my, I'm in my late fifties now. Um, and, um, you know, I, I kind of, um, you know, I, I decided that, 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 that writing was a, writing was a process that was good for me to do a, a very, very, um, I, I don't know, it was a kind of simple, um, um, relatively cheap therapeutic process to <laughs> reflect and think if nothing else so yeah early 20s onwards I, I've been kind of using writing you know as an aspiration but also as a, a tool to to self-reflect and 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 also in, in some sense to create a measure of space and you know freedom excitement you know fascination curiosity in my life that um you know i i felt as if i could you know control and um, explore so so yeah many many years many many years <laughs> it's sweet, right? you've, you've written you've written a novel too correct uh yeah i mean not i don't do a lot of prose to be honest matthew but yeah i mean i've self-published a couple of short novels um, and, uh, and, and interestingly, you know, I mean, at one point in Origins Development, um, an executive said to me, listen, you know, you, 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 you should try and write this in some other way, whether it's a graphic novel or a long short story or a short novel, you know, just, just, you know, just look at it in a different way. And, and that's, that's exactly what I did. So um, th there is a, a short novel. Uh, novella mostly for young adults on on on, on amazon uh, and prime and various other places uh called escape to inner earth and and that's that's a slightly longer version of the screenplay that, that i've currently written it's, uh, it's on audible too right people can uh yeah yeah i i managed to get in touch with some really talented producers and um, narrators uh a guy called tom freer he he uh um, was a an actor in, in in the states 
So he narrated uh, Escape to Inner Earth. Uh, it did a wonderful job. And then similarly uh, with the, uh, another short novel called Odyssey, um, great, great talented uh, uh, narrator um, who uh, helped help me with that. It seems to be the way that people are, are, I think that someone was a famous writer was saying in a podcast the other day, I was listening to that people are listening to their novels more than they're reading their novels now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I mean, one of the most fruitful and one of the most sort of beneficial things I ever did as a dad was, was read to my kids. And it, it was a two-way street. It, it's it's those times where you just connect, um, and and the and the the process of being read to by somebody is um, is is um, is very nourishing in many ways. And I think that's slightly different from just you picking up a book and reading it. So, you know, maybe there is a slight concern that you know listening is is more a process of learning not to read. But I think listening as watching something is um it's just as valuable yeah no it's it's a great point because it's because even my someone like myself that i can i can't i'm working i can't sit down and read a book while i'm working but i can listen to a novel while i'm working i guess right <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um <laughs> and and on some, you know on some level i mean i listen you know i listen to lots of things on podcasts and, and youtube and things like that and whilst i am doing other things um, and you know that's that's okay because I think you know when you're relaxed, it, 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 you, when you relax a certain part of your brain, even though you might be physically busy in other areas, you you can absorb a lot. And 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 it, it, you know the, the unconscious mind is is just rich with you know um, you know rich loamy fertile kind of ground to kind of absorb stuff. And uh, you know you you find it again, <laughs> you find it later on. Yeah. So you're in uh, the accent, so you're in Scotland, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, aye, aye. And so how is, like, so is, what's the connection? Because we're doing this podcast, it just happened, and people in North America are, like, kind of blown away by the overexposure of the death of the Queen. What's mm. the Scottish perspective of that? Well, you know, I mean, there, there is, as in all, you know, parts of, of UK, you know, uh, a strong, you know, sentiment and relationship with, with royalty. Um, and, you know, we, we acknowledged um, the Queen's passing in Scotland. Um, personally, I'm, I'm not a great royalist. I, I never have been. Um, so I, um, I was working, actually. There was a public holiday uh, for, for her funeral, to mark her funeral. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, you know, I was just busy working, so I didn't actually connect with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, probably down south, uh, the, there's such a greater outpouring of, uh, you know, grief or public grief for, for the Queen's passing and uh, in Scotland to some extent, but not not as much. We're, no, we're, just, I'm just curious because it's like, it seems like to be the last like country to kind of like do this, right? Like do something that, that it just, it's, it's, it's an interesting perspective, like how we don't think about it from, you know, our culture that much. And then all of a sudden we, it's just on the news all the time. And you're like, why yeah. is this like a thing? <laughs> <laughs> Not to be well, down on yeah, it, right? it's just yeah like, absolutely. And that's interesting. I mean, I, yeah. I, 
I don't listen, you know, I don't read news or listen to news, to be honest, but um, if you are bombarded sufficiently with something, yeah, it becomes a thing. And, and the thing that it becomes is something that you don't often have much kind of say in, you know. So I, I made a conscious decision maybe a, a, about a year or so ago just to unplug from all sorts of kind of feeds. <laughs> uh, no, but I guess the issue is like, I don't want to make a big thing. It just, it's an interesting story because like, it's, it's sort of like usually you, you mourn someone who's accomplished something right mm. and not mm. not born into something but like you know what i mean like who's yeah. done, done a great service i guess uh-huh. uh, <laughs> you know yeah. like invention yeah. or creativity or whatever right <laughs> so yeah it's just interesting. Uh, yeah sure i mean it, it's it's um you know it's just how you want to think about it <laughs> yeah but that, that, that's a good answer right there well <laughs> Origin is, uh, I didn't mean to get the, the into it. I just was curious what the Scottish yeah, sure. is. Yeah. Uh, no, because it's interesting because it's, you're part of it, but you're like Scotland, is, you're part of it, but you're not at the same time, right? So there's a history too. And so it's kind of like, uh, and your last name is Macduff, which is amazing. Yeah. You know, do you have an origin of your, of your family history with your last name? Uh, yeah, I mean, my, um, well, interestingly, uh, when my mum passed away, um, or just before she passed away, she kind of knew that she was the last living uh, Macduff. She, she was, you know, she was, um, her name before being married what was Macduff, and then she changed it when she married my dad, she became a Melvin. Uh, and You stayed, um, you're, 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 you took your mom's name. Well, I, I only took it after she died because uh, she realized there was no one else left in the line oh. to carry on the Macduff name. And um, I was never really a great fan of uh, my dad's surname. So okay, gotcha. I, I thought it'd be good just to kind of keep keep the line going. So, so yeah, Macduff, um, you know, historically, you know, that there are, you know, good Good connections with uh, uh, Mr. Macbeth and uh, well, he, spoiler alert, he kills him, right? So <laughs> that's right. Watch out. Uh, but, Hopefully, uh, people have no. I know that. I don't give away give away the. the <laughs> it's probably several hundred years too late, Matthew. But never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, right? <laughs> you never know. You never know. I'm going to watch my back. <laughs> yeah. No, which is but that's what I mean. It's such an interesting. It's such an interesting last name, right? So it's like. It stands out. Nobody's going to forget your last name. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a good name, I, and I, I like it. I, I feel it's it, you know names are interesting things. Uh, you know, Yelani, the, the central character of Origin, was never Yelani until the last few months of writing the script. It was always another name that just kind of didn't sit right with me. Gotcha. Um, and then on on a long walk with my dog. Um, you know, I just said, listen, it's not right. What What is the name? And 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 then Yulani just popped into my mind. I thought, yeah, that's it. That, that's the name. Um, and interestingly, when I Googled Yulani, um, it came back as a name, um, which I think roughly translated means close to God. So, hey. <laughs> Here you go. Well, congratulations on this script. Uh, we're honored to uh, uh, give it some exposure and some performance. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the uh, everything the festival and uh wish you the best with this with this script i hope it serves you well and and gets made i'm sure you wanted well, to get to get made one, one would assume you wanted to get made i guess right uh, yeah absolutely i mean uh, you know it's it's kind of i put it out into all sorts of places so maybe it might pick up some momentum but um yeah you finish one script and then you you know you just start writing another one <laughs> yeah exactly uh, 
so but listen thank you so much i mean it's been an absolute joy to be part of your show i was i was kind of delighted to be selected um i'm really impressed with how well you organize the the festival um, it looks like a complete you know hard job but uh you know a vocation and uh anything that you guys can do to help us guys is, is a great thing so thank you very much appreciate that origin fade in exterior hilltop comet point night super southern mexico seventy thousand years bc the steep side of Comet Point crests a small plateau high up in the Mexican hills, a place where you can almost touch the stars. Crouched beneath a huge boulder, a Neanderthal mother and her young daughter gaze up at the constellations. A distant rumble in the heavens piques their attention. What looks like a shooting star arcs towards Earth. It gets bigger, brighter, closer. Instinctively, the mother pulls the girl close to her breast, their wide faces frozen in terror as an immense crystalline starship engulfs them in a blinding explosion of light. The starship continues on its trajectory into the hill without destroying a single blade of grass, a single human hair. The Neanderthal girl and her mother look down at their feet, then back at the sky, their faces given over to a kind of primordial wonder. Moments later, a low growl seeps out from the undergrowth. The mother pushes the girl behind her, bares her teeth, grunts at a shadow lurking in the long grass. Now movement, hostile as a huge, saber-toothed tiger leaps toward them in a blur of primal violence. Cut to exterior, Mexican jungle, night. The same crazed motion carried forward through time. A woman in a silver jumpsuit runs headlong through the dense undergrowth. A lone wolf snarls at her heels, lean, hungry. Super, Southern Mexico, present day. We catch glimpses of the woman, her long blonde hair, the high arch of her cheekbones, and her abnormally large blue eyes. She sprints toward a clearing. Exterior, clearing, continuous. Ahead, the ground runs out toward the edge of a steep ravine. Beyond, nothing. Just empty space. The woman scans the area, realizes it's her only way out. She kicks hard beneath the wolf's looming shadow and leaps into the void. A beat and then... Exterior ravine, night. She tumbles down the side of the ravine, her skin ripped and punctured by sharp rocks. Foot of ravine... The woman crumples to a halt against an Olmec figurehead sculpted out of a mammoth piece of stone. She lies perfectly still. Above, the silhouette of the wolf recedes back from the rocky outcrop. She gets up, staggers off into the dark. Exterior wide plains, day. The sweep of the valley stretches out across the land, a patchwork of cornfields baking under the midday sun dotted with stone dwelling and clumps of trees. In the distance, a small yellow plain buzzes over the fields. Exterior, cornfield, day. The woman lies in amongst the cornstalks, dissociated, adrift. The buzzing sound rouses her. She gets up, confused by what looks like a hummingbird in the clouds. 
its wings coalesce into hard metal as the crop duster pops over her head. Exterior crop duster flying day. The faded name Skyburner bleeds across the fuselage of the duster. Interior crop duster slash cockpit continuous. Luke Martinez, late 20s, athletic, in denim and shades, scans the cornfields, spots a flash of red standing on one of the end rigs. He speaks into a mic. Ready when you are, bro. A girl's husky voice crackles over the radio. Under your ass, sister. Exterior field continuous. Mia Lopez, 16, tall, skinny, dressed in combats in an LGBT resistance t-shirt, leaps past rows of wilting cornstalks, a red flag on a pole in one hand, a walkie-talkie in the other. Skyburner appears over the brow of the hill, screams toward her. She hoists the flag up into the air. Okay, kill the fuckers. Interior duster flying continuous. Luke drops low into the field, pushes a lever forward. Adios, bugs. Exterior duster continuous. Pesticide spews out of the duster's wings, blankets the field. Interior duster flying continuous. Just then, the strange-looking woman shoots out from under the cornstalks, startles Luke. Christ! He pulls the steering column back abruptly, banks around, scans the field. A faint glimmer of light vanishes into the trees. Hey, you're freaking miles off! Luke snaps out of it, pulls the skyburner back around, corrects his course. Okay. Okay, let's go again. Exterior Martinez Farm, night. The stars pulse and ring above the Martinez farm. Fields of corn run out in all directions. The outline of the airplane hangar can be seen in one of the fields. Within it, a security light casts a long human shadow behind the open door. Exterior farm slash porch, continuous. Rosa Juanita Martinez, 80s, small, hard-bodied, squats barefoot on the floor of the porch, mixes sugar and water in a bowl. She sings as she shapes the sugar dough in her hands. Health and life for our deceased sugar skulls, my black funeral sky and black stars. I bring you sweet comfort with our grandmothers and grandfathers. Rosa presses the mixture into a tray of skull molds at her side. I die dancing, I die dancing, I die dancing. Interior farmhouse slash kitchen, night. A colorful altar adorns the walls surrounded by candles, marigolds and sweetbreads. Centered within the altar is the photograph of a woman, 30s, with long, lustrous hair and dark eyes. Beneath the altar sit a row of brightly decorated skulls, calaveras, with the name Ada written in black ink across the top of each skull. Azteca News plays quietly on the TV in the background. Local farmers who struggled to make it through record-breaking drought and heat in 2021 are bracing for another bad year, this time without any additional water from the state. Interior hangar, night. We track through the dimness toward the duster. Interior duster slash cockpit, continuous. 
the woman sits in the pilot's seat of the duster. She examines the controls, locates the engine ignition switch. Wolves howl in the distance. Interior, Martinez house slash hallway, night. Luke makes his way down the hallway, stops outside Mia's bedroom door, knocks. No answer. He enters. Interior, Mia's room, continuous. Mia sits cross-legged on her bed engrossed in a UFO digest. Magazine clippings of strange lights in the sky cover walls of her room along with a couple of Matrix movie posters. A robust off-world agenda for a robust off-world girl. Luke tries to ignore an alluring poster of Trinity dressed in tight black leather tacked above Mia's bed. Hey, Neil. Huh? Time to ingest. You ingest. Mia returns to the magazine. Luke pulls it out of her hands. Hey. Don't you get tired of reading this crap? You mean about the little green men from Zork? Yeah, your little alien bros. I love everything about them. You know I do. Why are you asking me dumb questions? God. Luke disappears out of the room. Exterior hallway, moments later. Mia's head juts out of the bedroom door. You damn well know they exist. Rosa said so. Said you saw stuff when you were a kid. Luke spins around. A flash of anger. I see fields of dying corn. Water bills that can't pay. Animals that need fed. What part of life in the Matrix don't you get? All I'm saying is, it's possible. Right? I mean, anything's possible. Her voice is drowned out by the roar of the duster. Interior hangar continuous. The ailerons and rudder flap of the duster spring into action. Interior, cockpit of duster, continuous. The woman gently pushes the throttle forward. Interior, Mia's bedroom, continuous. Luke watches from the window. The fuck? Interior, hangar, night. Strip light floods the hangar. Interior, cockpit, continuous. The harsh light dazzles the woman. Interior, hangar, continuous. Luke jumps up on the wing of the duster, leans in, kills the engine. The sight of the woman once again stops him in his tracks. What who? Mia appears on his shoulder, eyes big as saucers. Holy shit. Hey, speak Anglais. Who the hell are you? I am Yelani. Well, Yani. Yelani. Whatever. Luke scrutinized Yelani. Get out of the plane. Your planet is under attack. I don't care if Zorganites are about to shove corn cobs up my ass. Now get out! Yelani ignores him, turns to Mia. Will this craft take me to the mountains? The Skyburner. It's... Mine. Yelani doesn't budge. Fine. Have it your way. Luke reaches in to grab her. Yelani intercepts his hand, lifts both herself and him out of the cockpit in one swift, powerful movement. She dangles Luke above her head. You're not listening to me. There is an imminent threat to your planet from deep space. Okay. Okay. Mia edges closer. Easy now. My cousin didn't mean you no harm. Dick that he sure as shit is. Yelani lowers Luke, gets down from the wing, sways unsteadily on her feet. 